thank you for allowing me to come and share with y'all. I hope my voice stays with me. I tell everybody that Lynn liked hearing my voice so much, he took it with him. So it comes and goes. Lynn was diagnosed with liver cirrhosis May the 20th of 2013. He started telling me from that day, I'm dying. He was all right with it. He never got angry. He never lost faith in God. As a matter of fact, he started reading his Bible more. We started watching more programs. We studied more together. And you know, I know that cirrhosis is a terminal disease, but I didn't think that from, you know, diagnosis to the end of his life would be a little over a year. We have friends that have had it for 12 years, so I thought that when he was saying, I'm dying, I was like, mm, you're going to live a little bit longer. The first time he got sick and went to the hospital, he just started throwing up blood, and he lost five pints of blood. The doctors told him there was no reason that he should still be alive because he lost over half the blood in his body. He said that when they took him out in the ambulance, he told me, he said, Sherry, he said there was no pain. He said everything was just beautiful and white. I didn't, he said it wasn't the sun, but I just felt warm and loved. He said everything was just so beautiful. I just wanted to stay there. He said, and then I woke up in the ambulance. That's not a bad thing, but he thought it was. He did good for about a year. You know, we studied our Bible, and I guess he kept preparing me. He said, God must have left me here for something. And I think it was to help me get ready, because he didn't tell any of his family. I was the only person that knew, really, how sick he was. The first time he got sick this year, he did good, except for the swelling and stuff, and it started getting worse and worse. He was going in and out of the hospital. And finally, he told me, I'm tired of this. I'm just ready to go home. He started going around his family to try to get them ready. Whenever he tried to talk to them, you know, do you know if you die today, are you going to heaven? And they were like, well, I don't know. He said, well, you, if you plan on going to heaven, you need to know that if you died right this minute, you're going to heaven. He said, because I'm going. He said, if I don't go to heaven, me and Jesus are going to wrestle. He said, if I get there and they won't let me in, we are going to wrestle. Everybody thought it was just a joke, but they never got to see his pain, you know, because he lived with 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He was in constant pain. You know, he tried to tell his family about the grace of God, and he kept his faith the entire time. I never once heard him ask, why me? He just said, God gave me, I have this and God left me here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but he left me here for a reason. The last week of his life, he was in and out of the hospital three times. He went in on a Friday, he got out on a Sunday. He went back in on a Wednesday, he got out on a Thursday. And the last time he went in was that Friday. And we sit and we talk. He thanked me for sticking in there with him while he was sick, because he was difficult at times. He'd get upset with me and I just, get up and leave him in the room by himself. And when I'd come back, he'd look at me and say, you left me in here by myself. I was like, yeah, you needed some alone time, mister. <laughs> you, you need to be by yourself for a while. So he went that Friday night, he got sick again, and I would normally follow the ambulance over there. So that Friday night, he said, to call the ambulance, Sherry. He said, but don't come tonight. He said, I don't want you to, he said, I want you to come tomorrow. He said, I don't want you to come tonight. And I was like, well, why don't you want me to come tonight? He said, I just don't want you to come tonight. 
Later on that night, he called me and told me, they want to give me a blood transfusion about 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, do you need me to come over there? And he said, no, don't come. Do not come over here tonight. So the next day I got there and they were telling me about it. That night, it was like an explosion. He lost way over five pints of blood at one time. He said it was on the walls, all over the floor. It was like something blew up in the room, and his sister went in there. So when we got there that next morning, the doctors came in. They were giving him blood. He, they told him, we're giving you blood, but you're, it's coming right back up. So he said, the only thing I can tell you now, he said, you're dying. He was like, okay. So it's time for you to make some decisions. He was like, all right. What decisions do I need to make? They asked him, well, they said, once your blood pressure gets so low, your heart's going to stop. Do you want us to resuscitate you? He said, that means that we're going to be putting tubes down you and, and the machine will be living for you. He said, well, is that going to save my life? They told him, no, it'll just be a temporary thing. He said, well, no. And they asked him, well, what else do you want? He told me, he said, call Randy. Do you want us to call anybody? He said, no, I already have somebody coming. I said, who do you have coming? He said, the best man in the world. So I called Randy. I was a mess at that time. I was trying to be strong for everybody, but I couldn't even be strong for me. So Randy came. Lynn had already told me that day, he said, this is our last trip here. I was so used to him going in and coming out. I had already packed a bag. I was ready. He said, this is our last trip. He said, I'm not coming out of this one. He said, this is it. And I told him, no, it's not. And that was before the doctor came in and told us. So when Randy came and he prayed for him, he said, God told him just to pray for healing. So God prayed, Randy prayed for his healing. And he was telling his sister, he said, you know, Lisa, he said, I pray every day to die and go to heaven. And she told him, Lynn, stop saying that, because his sister's been sick a lot. She said, stop saying that. He said, okay, I won't say it anymore. So the doctors came in, and he kept telling us, he said, yo, I want to go outside. He said, I want to see the light. He said, I want to see the sun. I want to feel it on my body one more time. He said, just... He said, just for five minutes, I want to feel the sun. And they were like, no, you can't go outside. They said, well, there's nothing we can do for you. We've done all that we can, but we will send you to Covenant to try and see what they can do. So they took him outside and put him in an ambulance. And when he got to Covenant, he told us, he said, God, let me feel the sun one last time. That was that Saturday. He talked to everybody. He was happy. He told everybody what he wanted them to know. His main concern was that I was going to be all right. Tell me, Sherry, you have to promise me you're going to be all right. You know, the girls are going to need you, the boys are going to need you, so you have to be, you have to promise me you're going to be all right. So I told him, okay, I promise, I will. You can only visit for so many hours till 5 o'clock, then you have to leave till 8. Well, we got back to the hospital that Saturday night, right before 8. They came and got me, and they was like, who's Sherry? We need you to talk to him. Why? She said, because we're trying to tell him how sick he is, and all he'll say is, it is what it is. I don't think he understands how sick he is. And I told him, he understands. He has a 10% chance right now of living, which means he is dying. And I was like, yeah, I know. Well, do you understand what we're saying? I was like, yeah. I say, I said, you know what? I said, our faith is absent from the body, present with the Lord. I said, when he takes his last breath here, takes his first breath in heaven. I said, saying, he's ready to go. Is there anybody else I can talk to? <laughs> because 
I don't think you understand. She said, you're not understanding how serious this is. And I told her, yes, we understand. So we all got to go back in the room and talk to him. And, and that was the first time they really knew how much pain he was in. He told them, I hurt so bad. He said, I hurt 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He says, nonstop. If, if I sleep, I hurt. He said, when I wake up, I hurt. And he talked to everybody and he told Sandra, he said, I need a drink of water, Sandra. Because he told me, he said, I need some spirituality. Go get Sandra. The nurse was saying, no, sir, Mr. Hawkins, you can't have any water. And Sandra was like, he's not talking about that kind of water. He's talking about living water. Well, I don't care what kind of water he's talking about. He can't have any. <laughs> and, she, and he was like, it's okay, Sandra, it's okay. She doesn't know. Towards the end of the night, they let everybody come in, and we all got around him, and we all prayed. And he said, I just want all of y'all to know I love you. We all thought that we were going to go and visit the next day. Everything was going to be all right. So I stayed there with him until about 12. And I could tell when I left, he was starting to look a little bit confused. He would look at me like he didn't know who I was. And then he'd just look at me for a while, and then he recognized who I was. So I told him that night, I said, you just go to sleep, and I'll be back in the morning. The next morning, I called to the hospital, and they told me, well, after 12 last night, he slipped into a comatose state. So we got to the hospital, and the doctor that was supposed to do the stent to bypass the liver, the doctor called me. He said, there's no way. His condition is way too bad. He said, if I do this on him, right now he has a 10% chance. He said, if I do this on him, it's a 200% chance he'll die. He might be able to come out of this, and he might not. Well, when we got in the room, they had a towel wrapped around his head. They had him tied down, and they said he was, he's been biting, he's been kicking and, and scratching. And so when I walked in and I grabbed the towel, I didn't say anything to him. I grabbed the towel and I started wiping his mouth, and he bit that towel so hard. And I told him, baby, you stop that. It's me. I'm not going to let anybody else close to you. He stopped. He just laid there, and you know, we would all try to talk to him. And he would open his eyes, but they were just kind of roaming all around the room. He never really focused. And they told us, we have done everything medically possible for him. We don't know how long he has, but he's dying. When his heart stops beating, do you want us to revive him? And I told him, no. I said, just take I said, everything that you don't have to have on him, take it off. I don't want him any pain because I promised him that he wouldn't be in any pain. Everybody came in and visited, and they just stayed there for a little while, his sisters and brothers, and they all left. They was like, just call us and let us know what's going on. So my sister came and my sister-in-law stayed there with me and we talked. We held his hand and he held our hands. He had a strong grip and they were like, how's he in a coma? If we say something to him, he'll grip our hands to let us know he can hear us. When we first got there, the nurse was like, do y'all know any uh, Timothy? The only thing that he said last night was Timothy. He said it twice. And I'm thinking, I know he has a nephew named Timothy, but they weren't really that close. Completely slipped my mind, First and Second Timothy in the Bible. And we kept thinking, well, what could it be? Who could he be talking about? My sister was like, Sherry, there's a First and Second Timothy in the Bible. How could I forget that? <laughs> Study on it all the time. So we looked for a Bible. Everywhere in the hospital, we didn't find one. My sister-in-law has a phone that she pulled it up on her phone. So I was sitting there, and I was holding it, and I was reading and I read all of 1 Timothy, because I had no idea what he was talking about. And I started reading 2 Timothy, and the audio on the phone came on, 
and started at the beginning of 2 Timothy and read all the way through. And I was mostly watching him, not paying attention to what was being said. I was watching him and watching the monitor. Kept sitting there with him, and then finally he said, I'm good. And my sister-in-law got up. She said, Lynn Hawkins, what did you say? And he turned and he looked at me the first time. He had looked at me all day long. He looked at me. He said, I'm good. So we kept sitting there, and she was like, Sherry, I hate to tell you, but you're going to have to do the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. You're going to have to tell him it's okay to go. I told her, no, I can't do that. I said, I can sit here with him, but I can't tell him that I'm going to be all right, and it's okay for him to die. The pain in my heart just kept getting worse and worse. And I told my sister-in-law, I said, you know, I feel like I'm in a vice. And somebody's just twisting it tighter and tighter and tighter. I said, it's getting to where I can hardly breathe. So I just laid my head down on him. And I started praying, and I was like, God, I know he's coming home to be with you, but I can't, I can't handle this. You have to help me. I need something. You have, you've got to do something. I can't deal with this by myself. I need you. Please help me. And I sit up, and I just felt, I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I just felt a warmth all over, and all the pain just went out of me. I don't remember saying it, but they, they said that I told them, God's in the room with us right now. And my sister-in-law was looking at me, and she had just this shocked look on her face. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And she said, Sherry, I don't know what just happened to you. She said, I can't say what you, how you felt, but you were glowing. She said, you had a glow on you. She said, and I just saw all the pain just leave out of your body. She said, you were actually glowing. So you said God was in the room with us, and that had to be what it was. She had to get up and leave. She was like, I can't deal with this. So she was going to the chapel to pray, and a little girl dropped a piece of paper as she was walking through the hall, and she picked it up. And she read the piece of paper, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And she said, at that moment, she said, Sherry, I didn't even have to go in the chapel. I just got a strength, and I just turned around and came back. They told us his blood pressure is going to keep dropping, and his blood pressure got down to 69 over 34, but his heart rate was still between 99 and 105 beats per minute. His oxygen level stayed up. Every time it would start dropping, he'd start fighting. It dropped to 99, he'd start fighting, and it would go back up. So we untied him, took everything off his legs, and they were like, no, you have to leave him tied up. And I told her, he's not going to fight us. He's good. He knows we're here. I kept laying up beside him, and I'd kiss him and lay beside him. And from the cirrhosis, his color had changed. He had like a grayish look on him. We looked at him, and we looked at each other. And I said, are you seeing this? And she was like, yeah. He had like a glow on him, his color. Instead of the color draining out of him, the color came back into his body. And the nurse kept coming in. She said, I don't understand it. She said, there is no medical reason why he's still alive. I've never seen a person's blood pressure drop that low and their heart keep beating. She said, there is no reason that he's still alive. His heart rate was still at a 99. I guess it was like right before 8. So I was like, okay, this has gone on long enough. So I laid down on him. And I was like, baby, I said, I love you. And I'm going to miss you. But... It's time for you to go. I said, you have fought. I said, you fought a good fight. You kept your faith. I said, but now it's time for you to go to heaven. God's waiting on you. So 
it's okay for you to go ahead and go. And from the time that I raised up off his chest and looked at the monitor, his heart had dropped from 99 beats per minute to 50. And his blood pressure had started dropping. And he was laying in the bed, and he looked in the corner, and he just raised up, and he had a look on his face. His eyes got so big. And he was looking, and he was trying to get up. He wanted to get up and go. He was trying to go right then. And I was thinking, God, I don't want him to die with his eyes open. And I kept trying to close his eyes, but he wouldn't let me close them. And the nurse had came in early and checked his temperature, and the one ear was 93, the other ear was 94. This has to be wrong. I don't understand this. She said, I just don't know why he's still here. And I kept trying to close his eyes, and he wouldn't let me close them. He just laid back down, looked at me, and I was holding him. It was getting harder and harder for him to breathe, and he just took in a deep breath and just let it out, and he was gone. And I started crying. I mean, I was really, really crying. And his heart started back to beating. And my sister-in-law walked over, and she said, Sherry, you, you lied to him. You told him you were going to be all right. It had got up to 35 beats per minute. She said, you told him you were going to be all right, so I raised up, and I told him, I'm sorry. So you go ahead and go. I'm, I'm okay. I will be okay. And he flatlined again. So we sit there with him for a couple of hours and just talked. And my sister-in-law was like, you know, I heard people say what it looks like to be at peace. She said, but I had never seen it until now. It was the first time that I had seen him not have a look of pain in over a year. Longer than that, because he had been sick for a while, he just wouldn't go to the doctor. That was the first time in years that he had looked at peace and not had any pain. And I got up the next day, and I was thinking, you know, I was crying. I was like, Glenn was such a fighter. Did I give up too soon? I was washing dishes and cleaning house, trying not to think about it. I was like, maybe I didn't fight hard enough. Maybe I should have let him leave him on everything. Maybe he would have came out of it. And I heard something say, read 2 Timothy again. So I went and got my Bible. And, uh, and it was the same Bible that this lady had gave us on Father's Day. She walked up to me in, in Walmart, and she said, God told me to give you this. I don't know why, but he told me to give you this. So I went and got it, and I started reading, and I got all the way through it to chapter 4. When I got to verse 5, the words just jumped off the page at me. And I knew that's what he wanted, because it said, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. All of a sudden, that peace I felt the day before just came back. We went through planning the funeral, and everybody was like, Sherry, what is it? You're not sad? And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I miss Lynn so much. I said, but I can't explain to you what I feel. I said, something there. I said, I don't know what it is. I said, but I know he's gone. I said, because, you know, and I told him before he left, I said, if you think you're dying and going to heaven, you're going to get away from me, Buster, you're wrong, because I'm coming, and I'm going to find you. I said, he didn't want us to be sad. He told everybody that Saturday, he said, this is a celebration. They said, a celebration of what? He said, 
celebration of life. He said, I'm going home. He said, I'm going to heaven. I said, I'm sad that he's gone, but I'm a little jealous also. And he was like, why? It's because I said, he's in heaven with God, and I'm still here. I said, and that's what he told me. He said, I don't want you to cry for me. He said, I feel sorry for you because I'm going to heaven, and you have to stay here. And I made it through the funeral. It was a beautiful funeral. I made it through and everything. And I hadn't had any breakdowns until about two weeks later. One night I was laying in bed about 3 o'clock in the morning. I just had a complete meltdown. And I just said again, God, I need you again. I'm, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can make it. And I felt a hand grab mine, and it squares it so hard, and I jumped. And I knew nobody was in the room with me because it's just me and my girls there. They were asleep, and I could feel that peace come over me all over again. And I was like, okay, you're still here with me. That's all I needed to know is that you're still here with me. I started coming to church, and I thank God for all of you because if it wasn't for my new church family, I know I'd probably be a basket case by now. I would normally pray every Sunday morning before I came to church, and I got up this Sunday, and my back was hurting so bad I could hardly move. And I said, well, we're going to pray at church anyway, so I'm not going to pray today. And I started walking by my bed, and I felt something in my back just push me down on the bed and said, pray for Sandra. I was like, okay. So I prayed for Sandra. She had been having such a hard time because the night before I took her a picture of Lynn, she said she felt like somebody punched her in the stomach. And she just woke up crying every day. She cried all day, and she cried every night. And so this was about 7.30 that morning. So I just prayed for God to give her peace, touch her, and give her some understanding of why Lynn had to leave, because that's what she was, why? You know, they were like, Lynn was such a faithful man. Why didn't God save him? I was on my way to dropped my daughter off. About eight, she called me, and she was like, Sherry, guess what? She said, today is the first day that I have gotten out of bed, and I didn't feel like crying. She said, I feel such a peace. She said, I cannot understand. I don't know what happened. I was going to call her and tell her I had prayed for her. I was like, I'm not going to tell her because she's going to think that I'm just saying it because of what she told me. And and she kept telling me, she said, Sherry, she said, so wonderful. She said, now, I told her, I said, Randy told me that God gave me the peace that surpasses all understanding. She said, I know. I know what you feel now. She said, because I have it now. That emptiness is still there, but the pain is gone. So I don't have the pain in there anymore. And I told her I had prayed for her, and she was on the phone. She threw the phone on the floor, and she started running around the room, and she was just praising God. And she came back, and she picked up the phone, and she was crying. She was like, she said, I knew it was something. She has three sisters. She was like, because Lynn told me, you know, you and Sandra are going to need each other. You stick with her. She said, I tell my family now, she said, I don't care how they feel. I have a sister now. I finally feel like I have a sister. I don't feel like the black sheep of the family. She said, I have a new family now. So as long as she said, I think as long as I have you, then I can be all right. And, you know, there's been times that I felt a little sad. It usually comes right before I come to church. And, you know, I have to come in and get, get refilled. <laughs> and that's why I started coming to Bible study on Mondays, because I told him about a month before Lynn died, he woke up one morning and he told me, he said, Sherry, I was laying in bed last night. He said, 
and I was hurting so bad, he said, Jesus came to my bedside. He said, he held my hand. And he told me, he said, it's not your time yet. But when it's your time to go, I will come back and get you. I told him, I said, I saw when God came back to get Lynn. I saw the look in his eyes. And that's what I want. I want that. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I get that. I've had people tell me, oh, you just saw what you wanted to see. And I told them, you know what? You believe what you want to believe? I'll believe how I want to believe. I know what God put in me. None of you can take that from me. And I hope one of these days you'll get to feel it also. I thank all of you. And I thank you for giving me the time to share this with y'all.